Tuesday, April 4th, 2017 here on the Patriot B Podcast. On this episode, we break down the different linebackers the Patriots might draft, as well as go over the other Patriots news that occurred this week. We welcome in Jared Brown of NFL 1000 and of Niners Nation to help us break down some late round linebackers that the Patriots might draft this season. This is Larry H. Russell speaking on behalf of the network, thanking you once again for downloading the Patriots Beat Podcast here on CLNS Radio, the leading online provider of audio-video coverage for New England professional sports. Download the free CLNS Radio mobile app for your iPhone or Android for immediate and convenient access to all the content available on the CLNS Radio YouTube channel, podcasting network, and clnsradio.com. Now, on to another edition of Patriots Beat. Take it away, Harris. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this episode of the Patriots Beat Podcast. I'm your host, Harris Rubenstein. Very, very happy to be with you guys on this Tuesday. Hope you guys had a great weekend. Go find us on Facebook.com slash fans and go find us on Twitter at CLNS Radio. And obviously, you can go find me at CLNS underscore Sportsteen. First of all, recording this on Monday before Tuesday. Happy opening day for your Boston Red Sox. Obviously, obviously I'm a huge Red Sox fan along with being a a fan of the New England Patriots. So, big big opening day for the Red Sox today. Very, very excited to see what the season has for us. We've got Chris Sale, obviously Mookie Betts coming back. We'll see if David Price's arm can hold up over an entire season, and we'll see if Pablo Sandoval can keep his belt on. But this is not the Red Sox Beat Podcast. This is the Patriot Beat Podcast. Please also go listen to the Red Sox Beat Podcast, also brought to you by CLNS Radio. So the big news this week, Tom Brady had his jerseys returned to him. No, I'm just kidding. The big news that we got this week was that Adrian Peterson today, being Monday, again, recording this on Monday, uh, before going on Tuesday, this being released on Tuesday, we, or the Patriots, excuse me, have officially brought in Adrian Peterson for a visit. And I think it's kind of cool that the Patriots are bringing him in on a visit. It's kind of cool. However, I also would rather the Patriots sign almost anyone except him simply because the Patriots have been have been very adamant over the past couple of years about signing guys with domestic violence histories. I know Kraft is obviously a big proponent of keeping those guys out of the NFL to ever, you know, it totally under, totally makes sense. But I I think it's completely fine uh, to bring him in for a visit, hear what he wants, hear how you think he'd fit on the team, see what happens. Because in reality, if you can have Adrian Peterson as your week one starting running back, I mean, especially for a good price, it's kind of difficult to say no to that. I mean, it's Adrian Peterson at the end of the day. Sure, we have no idea what he's going to be like, but... You know, some guys are just freaks, and I really do think, I think everyone would agree that Adrian Peterson, even at the age of 32 with bad knees, is still probably an absolute freak. So, I believe personally that it's okay to bring him in, it's okay 
to bring him in for a visit. However, signing him will probably make the fans pretty pissed. I don't think it really matches up with what the ownership has done with the past. And also, you have no idea what Adrian Peterson's needs are. I mean, how much is he going to want the ball? Is he going to be able to catch balls out of the shotgun? Is he going to be able to, uh, you know, like catch a screen pass and run with it? Like, just what what kind of role is he looking for? Because if he's looking for a more traditional running back role, he can go to Seattle and be a running back. Whereas in New England... I mean, you look at their current team of running backs, you know, Rex Burkhead, James White, Deion Lewis, you see a lot of very versatile kind of guys, and I'm not really sure that Adrian Peterson is that kind of running back. Now, is could they still have him simply as the LeGarrette Blunt replacement? Sure, they could. However, I'd rather have LeGarrette Blunt simply because, again, I believe in honoring those who have done you well, and he has helped them win two Super Bowls in the past three years. So I believe if they don't get AP, they will bring back uh, LeGarrette Blunt. I simply think this is kind of going through the motions, seeing, all right, we, you know, we'd be kind of silly to not go check out Adrian Peterson. So I'm going to, I'm going to say I'm okay with it. We're going to wait and see what happens and we'll go from there. So, anyway, let's move away from Adrian Peterson. Whether or not they sign him, very clearly going to be a kind of a, a weird uh, situation for them for sure. So, let's move on to linebackers that the Patriots might be looking to draft. And my brain keeps going back to one person. I brought him up at my little chat sports spot. Uh, I'm now officially one of the Patriots... Uh, uh, Patriots uh, insiders for Chat Sports. So whenever I uh, go on Chat Sports, you can check me out. Uh, I'll post a link on my Twitter, and you can uh, go give it a look. However, uh, there's one guy who I brought up there uh, about a guy who I think the Patriots might draft, and that is a guy. He goes by the name of Harvey Lange. He had 123 tackles, 11 and a half tackles for loss, six and a half sacks in the last two seasons. He's 6'2", 252, ran a 4'7", at his four-day, uh, at his four-day, at his pro day. Uh, he's a former running back, now starting linebacker, mostly plays on the outside edge. He's incredibly versatile. He's incredibly athletic. He sounds... Kind of like a Jamie Collins light. I know we compare every single linebacker that's ever come through to Jamie Collins now. However, I mean, most versatile and athletic linebackers are going to get compared to the other, you know, athletic and versatile linebacker. So good for, uh, excuse me, good for Harvey Lange getting his name out there. Apparently there was a report that if the Patriots uh, were ready for it, uh, excuse me, if he, if he had gone to the draft last year, that the Patriots would have taken this guy in the first round. Uh, he missed most of last year with an injury. So that probably drops him to the third or fourth round. So, good, you know, Harvey Lange is a guy to keep, your, uh, to keep your eyes open for. I really think that uh, he's a guy that the Patriots might look at if they – were interested up in picking him in the first round last year, then I'm sure they'll be interested in picking 
up this guy in the third or fourth round for sure. Who knows? Maybe they'll even trade back up into the second round just to troll people and uh, get him, you know, just 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 to troll. So anyway, let me break down who uh, Jared Brown is, the guy that we're going to be bringing on in a couple minutes. Guys, a contributor for the Niners Wire, uh, which is the USA Today Wire for the San Francisco 49ers. He works for NFL 1000, uh, NFL 1000, covering inside linebackers, and the just the especially when uh, it comes to drafting and scouting. Uh, he works for Bleach Report as well as an educator and a coach for their analysts and football guys. So obviously a very very talented football guy that we're going to be bringing on with us. He's going to be talking about the different inside linebackers that the Patriots might pick up as well as the different style of inside linebackers that the Patriots usually look for when they draft linebackers. So that's going to do it for me. We're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, Jared Brown of Bleacher Report is going to join us to break down a couple linebackers that the Patriots are looking at in the draft. We'll see you guys in a little bit. Hey guys, it's time to talk to you about the boatload of money you can make this week betting at mybookie.ag. If you haven't checked them out, this is the perfect time to get into action because the madness of March is here. Lay down some money and score big on college hoops. Join me and thousands of online players and start betting at mybookie.ag. Are you sick and tired of getting the runaround when you ask for a payout? Come join MyBookie today. I would only recommend a service that's been so good to me and my listeners. That's why I urge you to make your way to MyBookie. You win. They pay fast without any hassles. You're wasting your time betting anywhere else. They even have in-game live betting so you can place a bet after tip-off. That's right. If you join with $100, you'll get an extra $50 bankroll to play with with their new feature of with their matching your first deposit with a $50 percent bonus use my promo code pats50 to activate the offer visit my boogie today or call 844-900-BETS play win and get paid Welcome back into Patriots Beat. It is now time for our featured guest segment this week. We are very happy to welcome in Jared Brown, one of the many writers for the Niners Wire with USA Today and also the inside linebacker scout for the illustrious NFL 1000. You can find him on Twitter at Jared Brown with a little underscore after it. Jared, thank you for joining us. Hey, thanks for having me, man. I'm excited about this. I'm glad. Uh, I'm glad. Glad to have you on. Been f- following your work on uh, NFL 1000. I'm a, I may. I truly believe that the heart and soul of every defense is the inside linebacker. So you, you, you got me as a big fan. Good deal. Yeah, it's uh, becoming trendier to uh, get excited about the edge players. But I, I've enjoyed uh, enjoyed watching the inside linebackers. I think that it really is a position that's kind of fading in terms of uh, Mm -hmm. popularity, but still equally is uh, necessary for success. So speaking of necessary for success, there are very few defenders, purely defenders in the NFL who have had as much impact on their teams over the past couple of years as Donta Hightower has had on the Patriots when he's actually played. Obviously gave him that humongous contract, but I want to hear from a pure inside linebacker analyst. 
was Dante Hightower worth the amount of money the Patriots paid him? I think you'll have to look at really how they consider him as a player in their scheme. They do some of the most versatile stuff and a varied stuff out of any team in the NFL. And obviously they have the coaching staff to handle it and the players that have been able to consume it. So Dante Hightower's role in that defense is more or less uh, significantly varied relative to almost any other linebacker in the league. And as we were kind of developing the NFL 1000 uh, concept, really, and placing players, he was one that we kind of struggled with because the way that they utilize him could also be seen as an outside linebacker. They kind of have that 3-4 hybrid look, and they'll use him on the edge uh, as a, as both as a run defender and a pass rusher. So he is, in my mind, being paid what I would consider a market value for a top-tier inside linebacker that could also be a top 10 edge rusher in the league if he wanted to. So certainly they've got to hold on to somebody, right? They traded Jimmy Collins. They traded Chandler Jones. They've got to keep some sort of defensive captain in the front seven. I think Hightower plays that role. He's kind of the de facto leader of that defense. He can do a little bit of everything. I think the the knocks on him in coverage are a little overblown. I actually don't mind him in coverage. I don't think he's Jamie Collins, but I was more than impressed when they Mm-hmm. began to rely on him more towards the end of the year and especially in the Super Bowl. So I think relative to what he does for them, they, they've got a player that they know they could line up every week in a different manner, and he's going to find some success for them. So I think that it's market rate and, and worth it for a player like him. When they traded Jamie Collins, the entire scheme of the defense really shifted, and it shifted a lot towards, again, kind of the, the do-your-job idea because when – Jamie Collins was around. You could definitely tell that a lot of the middle of the defense was doing a lot of freestyling and was doing a lot of, I don't want to say like they were going away from the scheme because obviously it was still working. They were one of the better defenses in football. But once Collins was out of there and Hightower took it over again, it was a much more straightforward approach. And that was something that I think kind of allowed Hightower to thrive through the second half of the season. Do you think that's what they'll kind of target? For next season, or do you think they'll allow their players to go a little flower, uh, a little more flowy again, like last year? I think, and it's it's much like a few other lineback, linebacker duos in the league, um, particularly with uh, Landon Roberts and Dante Hightower, if they're on the field at the same time. Hightower is a guy that can play within that scheme. He can, like you mentioned, kind of has a do your job mentality, whereas. Landon Roberts can be sometimes a little reckless and wild, and he's still kind of developing that mental processing that it takes to be successful routinely. I would suggest that Hightower is is sort of the steadier of that ship, that more or less every week you know what you're going to get with him when he's playing at his best, and he offers uh, flexibility in game planning that can – that can show up every Sunday as, as a consistent product put on the field, especially from him. So I would say, and, and relative to what Matt Patricia and Bill Belichick seem to like uh, from their front seven, especially, I would say that I, I'd consider them and suspect that they'll continue with that sort of, uh, I don't want to call it rigid, but that fixed idea of we just need you guys to do a particular thing. We've got athletes and we've got smart players that can make it work otherwise. We don't need you to be much what Jamie Collins was, which was a little um, kind of on the cusp of uh, diving into things that they weren't asking him to do. And he was an athlete that could do it, but it didn't always help that defense. And you saw that in the second half of the year, especially where, like you mentioned, they became more consistent 
and uh, and as a result, managed to keep up with one of the best offenses in the Super Bowl. So looking at the other linebackers, you mentioned Landon Roberts, but the guy that I always look at is what is Kyle Van Noy, who had a surprisingly good end of the season last year, almost to the point where you could argue for him to be the week one starting linebacker next to Hightower for this Patriots team. Was it just a hot streak, or did Van Noy find a kind of new angle in his career? Then we'll get into uh, draft guys for the linebackers. I think, and, and much like you, when, when they made the trade for Van Noy and, and kind of trotted him out, more or less taking you know a, a fair share of snaps. I mean, he was playing in that defense, aside from Hightower, what might be considered starter snaps, and he did well. And I was surprised, I was surprised and impressed because coming from Detroit, I wasn't particularly uh, excited about him. I didn't really see what he was going to do. Uh, as a player that's going to play often, right? He's got good athleticism, and I thought, okay, this is a guy that's going to play every special teams, and you can trot him out as somebody that uh, could do a few things well uh, and more or less is adequate and not really a long-term starter or somebody worth uh, worth talking much about. And, of course, once they signed him, they made him more than adequate and, and comfortably, like you mentioned, probably considered to be the starter uh, moving into next season. And that's obviously, you know, a, a head nod towards what Belichick can do when he brings in players that most other teams cast off. And I don't know whether it's uh, Van Noy feels comfortable in that defense or he's learned more, but he certainly found a way, and especially later in the season, to not just be adequate, but really to be productive, to be an explosive player for them, to be uh to be useful, to be valued, and moving forward, I'd suggest, like you mentioned, that he's probably the, the favorite to be the starter, at least early in the season, uh, and, and Roberts might push him, but Vanoy's got a little bit of a, a heads up in the experience department, and probably a little bit better in uh, consistent technique in the run game, but overall, a really impressive, really a really impressive run from him to end the season as somebody who showed some development and really overall some she showed a playing style that I wasn't expecting and, and he competed in a much better manner than I figured he would. I loved watching Van Noy's evolution last year simply because it just became clear that the, the Lions had no idea what the heck they were doing with a player of his caliber. It didn't really make sense to me because if you looked at his tape in college, while he did rush the passer every so often, he wasn't an edge rusher. He was, he was an outside linebacker that both went into coverage and rushed the passer. They tried to turn him into like a 4-3 Von Miller edge rusher. It was so strange. Yeah, and much like we, like I kind of mentioned, Belichick just has an act for identifying what players do well and putting him in positions to do that well and do it over and over. He's not going to ask Van Oye to do something that he's not, not good at or not even average at. And so naturally Van Oye comes in and Belichick finds or has had already isolated what he was good at, and he just asked him to do that. And like you mentioned, surprise, surprise, he did well. And so obviously the Detroit Lions had no clue what they were doing uh, in, in playing Van Noy and kind of in that odd stand-up outside linebacker role. They expected him to rush the passer a little bit. But uh, I would suggest, and especially as the league transitions into a pass-heavy league, uh, and, it, and it really has become that. It's not really transitioning anymore. But as more and more teams build offenses to do that, Vinoy, in my mind, has a, an ideal body type and play style 
for a weak side inside linebacker in a 3-4. And much like what the hybrid Pats defense looks like, he could be that weak side inside backer to, to Hightower that's going to be successful. And we saw that, that they don't need him to be Jamie Collins and, you know, an elite athlete that's managing to make all these plays. They need him to be serviceable and they can fill holes in other manners and, and put money elsewhere and, and obviously still win a championship. So let's break down some of the different linebackers that the Patriots might be bringing in for this year. Obviously, no first or second round pick. My, my, my dream of the Patriots getting a top 12 pick in this draft is now officially gone. It's not going to happen. However, there are still a couple of guys that I think could be big time for the Patriots. But before we get a couple guys from you, I need to ask you about one specific person because I have no idea if this guy is relevant. I have no idea if anyone knows who this is. His name is Harvey Lange. He goes to BYU, and there was a rumor that if he was in the draft last year, the Patriots would have taken him in the first round. Who the heck is this guy? Yeah, Harvey Lange, he's an impressive guy. He's Like you mentioned, he's kind of flying under the radar this year. He was a redshirt senior. He's 6'2 and like 250, so he's pretty bulky, pretty thick dude. Um, has has more of a of a thick body type like Dante Hightower and less of these you know hyper athletic guys that are you know in the two thirties like most of these linebackers are. So you're getting a guy that comes from a, a good steady program in Brigham Young is thick. Uh, I didn't hear the report that they would have grabbed him last year. That's intriguing. I would say that if they want him this year, they're going to be able to wait until likely day three, probably six seventh round he might squeeze into the fifth but he's somebody that they could develop and that they could take without the pressure of having to start in his first year but he could become sort of that cerebral type of player that Belichick just absolutely loves and obviously there's going to be some references to like a white linebacker coming in and having to be smart but the guy has the requisite athleticism to play in the NFL I think that they could find him as a late guy that they can develop to become much like we just mentioned with Van Noy, but somebody that is going to step in and isn't going to do uh, uh, much in terms of of being this elite overall athlete. I will say that I dug his uh, as I kind of dug up his combine stuff. Twenty three reps in the bench press is pretty good for a dude that's two fifty. Um, I think he's got he's got stuff that you can work with and. And it's got to be intriguing for the Patriots that he's going to be later than they wanted him to, to go last year. So let's take a look at a couple of other guys that might be also flying under the radar, like Harvey Lange. This is where my current knowledge kind of falls short. Give me a couple of guys that you think the Patriots could look at in around the third round. I believe they've picked, what are we looking at? I want to say 72 is their first pick in the draft, and then I think they have like 84 or something. Who are a couple guys in the mid-third, uh, early fourth that you think the Pats could uh, pick up? I think first and foremost, you got to look at a guy like Kendall Beckwith out of LSU, and that mainly is because of his injury. So he's going to be a player that they could probably get in the fourth round. He might get into the third, but they can get him in the fourth, and he's not somebody that has to feel the pressure to start year one. Realistically, probably shouldn't. He can always always use more time to build that body back up from his lower body injury, and he's somebody that comes with good size. He's 6'2", about 240, uh, really good athleticism, and if he was healthy, he would be discussed as probably a round two linebacker option. So you're going to get some value there at that pick. 
more than anything, you've seen kind of a run of LSU linebackers that have been able to uh, to show out in the league. So Kevin Minter, uh, Deion Jones, Quan Alexander, all those guys have come in and, and done well. So much like Clemson kind of has that wide receiver thing going right now, LSU has that inside linebacker thing going, and that's somebody that you definitely got to look for. I think Connor Harris out of Lindenwood is going to go higher than people think. He's probably going to squeeze into the fourth round or so. Uh, he's shorter, be like 5'11", 240, but the dude just lives around the ball. And I think that he's got, much like uh, much like Venoy, has traits that can be isolated to find success. So he's not going to do everything well. I don't know that he's great in coverage, but he's somebody that you could find consistency with. And again, doesn't need to start year one, which is I really think is the Patriots draft strategy moving forward. That they're going to find players that, uh, especially at the line, linebacker position, they've got McClellan, they've got Van Oy, they've got Hightower, they have Roberts. All those guys kind of round out the group this year, so they need to build it up moving forward. And and I could see uh, Connor Harris being the guy that they choose to do that, a guy that doesn't have to start right away. Who's a guy that you've been hearing about in the draft so far in the linebacker position that you you just you just smack your forehead over and you go, how the heck is this guy being projected so high? For me, it's got to be T.J. Watt, and I think that he's a good player. I think that he did a lot of in- intriguing things at Wisconsin, and he's got uh, some flexibility in what you can ask him to do. He can rush the passer a little bit. He could play Sam in a 4-3. He could probably play inside linebacker. But I think a lot of the hype that he's getting is based on his last name and based on the fact that he's the younger brother of J.J. Watt. People have seen how hard that guy works and what he's able to do. I think that's being projected to T.J. a little bit. I would say that I think – He's going to go in the second round, whether people, whether I like it or not. But for me, uh, to to take a linebacker like that that high, based on really one year of project of of work and projecting his brother's success onto him, for me seems uh, a little a little hasty. So another guy, you know, that's it's funny you say T.J. Watt because you're actually the third person that we brought on to actually bring up T.J. Watt. I think there's a theme here. Yeah, I just think that, I mean, is everybody else in love with him or what, what, are, what are people saying? Because for me, he's got he's got a good body type, but I don't know that it's something I, I take him in the second high second round on that alone. Now, obviously, for the Patriots, you start talking a little later, maybe into the 80s, if he's around, I'll grab him, but definitely not, not grabbing him in the second round. I had Justice uh, Mosqueda come on from Setting the Edge. He said that yeah. if – more people from the, uh, from his position were healthy, like uh, he mentioned Demarcus Walker, if he was healthy, and a couple other guys, uh, including, he says, of Carl Lawson from uh, Auburn was a little bit held in higher accords, that T.J. Watt would have been a third to fourth round pick, not a day one, day one or day two pick like people are talking about. Yeah, I'm going to agree with Justice there. I think that and that, that's what happens in, in this sort of uh, fluidity of the NFL draft, that as players can test or can't, and, and you've got to you know, start to weigh injuries and off-field stuff, obviously Watt's going to come squeaky clean at the moment. But he's had his own injury issues as well at Wisconsin, and he's had uh, a little bit of, a, of an issue, or not an issue necessarily, but he had some struggles really finding a fit in that defense. And, and in 2016, they did well and kind of showcased him as, you know, this kind of hybrid linebacker, edge rusher. He had like nine sacks, and he was a playmaker for them. But I think it's it's just in haste to put him up in that in that early day two conversation. So last question here before we let you go, Jared. 
every single year, draft Twitter or each individual part of draft Twitter will pick one guy that they claim is their own. Uh, I've had uh, Charles McDonald, uh, four verts. The other half is setting the edge. Take Jaleel Johnson. I had uh, Justice take uh, Deshaun Kaiser as the sole Chica- uh, Deshaun Kaiser truther. So who is your guy, Jared Brown? Who is your guy that you is your guy that you will put your foot in the ground for? I'm gonna I'm gonna say it's Raekwon McMillan out of Ohio State. I think that. Um, Alabama's Reuben Foster is an absolute stud at linebacker, but any other year we're talking about Reuben Foster as the top 10 pick as well. I think some of the issues with what he, what he does is overblown, and I think he could realistically play uh, any spot in a 4-3. He could play either inside role in a 3-4. He's got more than enough athleticism for me. He's got good power, good size. I think his body type is exactly what the NFL wants and needs moving forward. So I'm going to say Raekwon McMillan. I think he should be a first-round pick. I don't think he will be a first-round pick, but I think he's a guy that's going to come into the league. He'll start year one and be impressive almost immediately. He sounds to me like uh, he unfortunately caught uh, Reggie Ragland disease, which is, oh, crap, we have an incredible linebacker on an incredible D1 school, and no one has any idea what he does. Yeah, I'd say that's a really that's a really good way to put it. Yeah, absolutely. Reg, Reggie Ragland dropping to the second round last year was one of the stupidest things I've ever seen. But Jared Brown, thank you so much for joining us. Everyone, please go follow him at Jared Brown with a little underscore after that on Twitter. Jared, thank you so much for joining us. We'll be on the lookout for more of your stuff on the Niners Wire for sure. Hey, thanks, man. I appreciate you having me on. Always fun to talk this stuff. Absolutely. Have a good one, Jared. You too. Not all ingredients are created equal. Fresh, high-quality ingredients make a real difference, so it's important to know where your food comes from. I know that me personally, when I was living in a college dorm, I used Blue Apron in order to get my fresh ingredients so that me and my roommate Jack could cook up some nice meals, maybe some fresh steaks, maybe some good chili, some quality stuff. And it's also a very fun holiday gift, so maybe for a nice Valentine's Day gift or a nice birthday gift coming up, I would give it to, I wouldn't give it to a girlfriend, obviously Blue Apron would be a little rough, but give it to a family member, maybe they can get some high quality ingredients in their life. For less than $10 per meal, Blue Apron delivers seasonal recipes along with pre-portioned ingredients to make delicious home-cooked meals. Blue Apron knows that when you cook with incredible ingredients, you make incredible meals, so they set the highest quality standards for their community of artisanal suppliers, family-run farms, fisheries, and ranchers, whether it's Japanese ramen noodles, wild-caught Alaskan salmon, or heirloom tomatoes, Blue Apron is bringing you the best. So check out this week's menu. Get your first three meals free with free shipping. Go to blueapron.com slash patriots. You will love how good it feels and tastes to create incredible home-cooked meals with Blue Apron. So don't wait. That's blueapron.com slash patriots. Blue Apron a better way to cook. All right, team, that's going to do it for this week's Page B podcast. Please give us a subscription rating and review on iTunes and Stitcher. Go follow me on Twitter at CLNS underscore sports team. Thank you to at 42 McCoy and at DA Pride 93 for the awesome puppy photos. Please keep them coming. That's again at CLNS underscore sports team. 
And also, if you could, please send me a couple of questions and maybe we'll do a mailbag over the next couple of weeks. And also, Andrew Benintendi just hit a three and home run. So go Red Sox. Hopefully a great season with them starting at opening day today. But that's going to do it for me. Enjoy your guys' weeks, and we will see you on Friday.